Okay, let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Maybe you're here today and you're tired, you're thirsty, you are depleted. Uh, There's just a lot of things going on in your life. Well, maybe this is your day. And Lord, as we study the scriptures, would you bring clarity and teach us what we should know so we can respond in Jesus' name? Everyone said amen. Uh, We're studying today how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you repeat that, please? How to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul's got some things to share about this, starting at verse number 15. Therefore, be careful, everyone say be careful, how you walk, not as unwise men, but wise, verse 16, making the most of your time, because the days are what? Evil. Verse 17, so then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18 is our key verse. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you've already heard, today is a special day in church history. What day is it? It is the day of Pentecost celebrated all around the world. Maybe you grew up in church and they never even talked about it. The Old Testament is just as important as the New Testament. The Old Testament and the New Testament are all one story. It's all the story of the Lord Jesus. Every passage, every page, you will find the Lord Jesus if you know what to look for. For instance... The Hebrews were told to have seven festivals or seven feasts every year. And you look at them. They were divided in spring and fall. The spring ones were Passover. Then you have unleavened bread. Then you have first fruits. Then you have the Feast of Pentecost. And then in the fall, you have the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, they all point to one thing, the Lord Jesus. He is the center of every one of the feasts, and the feasts give you little clues about his ministry and his life in the New Testament. Now, take notes today, if you will. I think you'll enjoy doing this. Now, on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, that was the birthday of the church. Really important thing. That's when the Father gave the Holy Spirit to his people. Now, when Jesus left this planet on the day of ascension, he told the disciples, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise. Everyone say the promise. And that is the Holy Spirit. It's to your benefit that I go away. Why would it be to our benefit? Because when Jesus was here, 2,000 years ago, he was in in human form. He could only be one place at one time. Now when the Holy Spirit came, he would come, sent by the Father, the third person of the Trinity. He is God. He is equal with the Father, equal with the Son, 
It is a mystery. Do you understand it? No, I just try to live it. I'll probably never figure it out. Because he came to live inside every believer. This is the best time in history to be alive. Not when Christ was alive, it's now. Because the least in this new covenant is greater than the greatest person alive then. So, Pentecost means 50th. What does it mean? Very good. Why 50th? Because it was celebrated by the Jews 50 days after another festival. What's the answer? Answer's on the screen. Remember, it's always, I always have a picture. It's the Feast of Passover. And if you've given your heart to Jesus, his blood has been applied to the door of your heart. And so instead of you coming into judgment into the next world, your sins, the have, judgment has passed over your life. So it's 50 days after the Feast of Passover. Now, Pentecost went by two other names. One of them was the Feast of Weeks. Can you say weeks? Now, why the Feast of Weeks? Because all the Jews had to do was count seven weeks plus a day, and you have 50. So they knew where, when it was. And it's also called the Feast of Harvest. Why? Because it's getting the earth ready for the great harvest. They just didn't see it at the time. Now also during Pentecost, every family would bring to the temple in Jerusalem an offering of first fruits. Can you say first fruits, please? What's a first fruit? That means every farmer, when he harvested his, for instance, wheat or barley, he would bring a portion to the Lord's house to say, Lord, I bring what you've given me, a portion as an offering to you. I'm demonstrating that I trust you to meet all of my needs. It's not the sun, it's not the rain, it's not the soil, it's not the good climate, it's not the government, it's not my husband, it's not anything, it's not my employer. You are my source and you are meeting my needs. Now it's fascinating because all the feasts had a meaning in the Old Testament, also a double meaning in the New Testament. Christ came out of the tomb on the day of first fruits. He was killed on Passover, came out of the tomb on the day of first fruits. Do you know why? Because he was the first fruit offering of many other sons and daughters, you and me, that one day would also come out of the tomb. Okay, are you with me? Now let's go to Acts chapter two. Don't turn there, we probably don't have time. Let me just share with you. We gotta look at a lot of stuff. That first harvest on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem were 3,000 men. I don't even know how many men and women and boys and girls, but 3,000 men committed their lives to Christ. It was the birth of the church. And it is a first fruit of all those that have given their heart to Christ since. Today, we don't know. But my guess is between 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people will receive Christ today all over the globe. The time will come, it'll be a million people a day becoming Christians in this last 
great harvest. Now turn to Acts chapter 6. Go to the left, and I want to point something out to you. Acts chapter 6. Excuse me. Okay, we got a problem in Acts chapter 6. The problem is thousands of people are coming to Christ. Is that a good problem? Yes or no? That's a great problem. 3,000 the first day, and then people every day. I mean, it kept multiplying and multiplying. It was unusual. Now, could you imagine what would happen if 3,000 people came to Christ here at Church of the Savior in one day? Whoa, I would work a little harder. And I'd make you work harder too. But they got a problem. The apostles were saying, man, we are feeding people and taking care of people and we don't have time to pray, don't have time to preach, and so therefore we need some help. And so look at verse number three. Therefore, brethren, this is very important. I want you to mark this in your Bible. Select among you seven men. Look at these qualities. Good reputation, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of taking care of all these people. So did you see those three qualities? Here's the first one. Good reputation. How important is a good reputation? Look for men who have complete integrity. If you gave them a million dollars and asked them to hold on to it for 10 years, when you came back, they would have your million dollars and more. People that you trust. How long does it take to build up trust? A long time. How quick can you blow trust? 30 minutes. Then you start all over again. And so you look for these kind of men that you trust completely, that have a good reputation, that always they would never manipulate anybody. They would never take advantage of anybody. Folks, it's hard to find those kind of people today. Look for those kind of people. Now, my grandmother in my family growing up, she was the only person that read her Bible. We didn't read our Bibles, we didn't pray, nobody taught us, but my grandmother did. She lived to be 109. And so she taught my brother and I one Bible verse, and this is it. A good name or your reputation is rather to be chosen than great riches. If you have a chance to make a lot of money and do something dishonest or run over somebody, keep your good name. You only have one name. It takes a long time to build your reputation. So always be honest. Treat people with kindness. Don't make minor things major things. Always help people. May the people you work with always give you a good report because you choose to have a good name. By the way, 
If you are a Christian, do you know what the word Christian means? Little Christ. So your reputation is his reputation. Now, the, the next category that you look for is men that are full of the Spirit. What do you mean, men full of the Spirit? People that live in God's presence. Their first hour, or first two hours of the day are devoted to the scriptures and to prayer. They just live in God's presence. They overflow with the glory of God's presence. And they want to obey the Lord more than anything else. And they depend upon the Lord more than anything else. And the whole bottom line is, Lord, I'm here to glorify you. And then the third thing you look for is wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? Wisdom has nothing to do with IQ. Wisdom has nothing to do with education. The best definition of wisdom is this. It is seeing life from God's perspective. You can be five and be full of wisdom. Or you could be 55 and have very little wisdom. Now, today in our culture, people are chosen for all kind of other reasons. Maybe because they have good people skills. By the way, good people skills are wonderful skills to have. Uh, I think I left out a blank is maybe they're good managers. If you're a good manager, that's a great thing. Or maybe you're witty, maybe you're funny, you're fun to be with, that's a great thing. Or maybe you have a sterling resume. Or maybe you're handsome or attractive, nothing wrong with that. How many would say, I am a handsome rascal? Hold your hand up, go ahead, just be humble about it. There you go, there you go. Or maybe you're very successful. You hire people that, are, that can manage a buck, that can make money. They're frugal and they know the right things to buy and spend. And maybe they're great communicators. I wanna tell you all those are good qualities, but there's actually better qualities to hire first. What are they? Well, we just read them. Good reputation. They're full of God. And they have unusual wisdom from heaven. Are you with me? Now, in Ephesians 5, we read that, these four verses. Let's walk through that passage and see what Paul says about being filled with the Spirit. A is, he says, be careful how you walk. Everyone say walk. And he's not talking about putting on tennis shoes. He's talking about your choices daily, how you live, and why you make those decisions. Be careful. You can mess your life up really quickly in one day that you may live to regret for the rest of your life. And then B, he says, not as unwise men, but wise people. The Christian life is a deliberate walk. Do you know what deliberate means? You think before you act. 
You have plans. And the bottom line is you want to please God more than anything else. And Paul said this, making the absolute most of your time. Every birthday I have, I think, Lord, how much longer do I have on this planet to serve you? None of us know how long we have. In some ways, it would have been better I thought, but God didn't listen to me. Instead of giving us watches and cell phones to mark time, we actually were born with a hourglass in our little tummies. And when we came out of our mom and got flipped upside down and got popped on the bottom and sand started running, it seems like in an hourglass when it starts, the sand goes so slow. And then it seems to speed up. It doesn't, but it seems. And that's the way life is. Last Saturday night, we got a phone call. Uh, My wife comes from a big family and her youngest sister-in-law died after doing yard work at age 58. Uh, She was the youngest of all of us and we were very close to Jeannie and uh, she had an incredible business. She was loved by hundreds of people. Uh, She apparently had a blood clot, went to her heart Her husband did CPR on her for 15 minutes. His little hands had turned black from all the burst blood vessels in his hands. And when the EMT got there, they worked on her a long time. They worked on her for hours in the hospital. They actually got a pulse back twice, but couldn't sustain that. So we heard this sad news Saturday night and Jim, Sue's oldest brother, said, Steve, would you come and do or be a part of the funeral? And I said, sure. So we went down there on Monday, uh, loved on the family. And then lo and behold, my own little wife started having chest pains and it went to her jaw. And she said, oh, it's no big thing. I said, oh, yes, it is. We're going to the ER. So we go to the ER and... uh, the doc told me she's, she's had a heart attack. It may be mild. We don't know yet. So she's in the hospital. I have to get up the next morning. I go, do you want me to do this, the funeral or do you want me to stay here with you? She said, I want you to go share the gospel with my family. They need to hear the gospel. So here I'm standing up at this funeral home, great funeral home. And tell you what, that was a sad funeral. Even if six or eight people did give their heart to Christ. You guys prayed Wednesday night. The doc said she didn't have a heart attack and her heart is fine. So thank the Lord for that. But my point is what Paul said, you don't know how long you have. And if Jesus has been speaking to you about serving him, you better not say, well, I'll do it this fall or I'll do it when I get out of school or I'll do it when this or when my kids are grown. I'll you may not have next year. Making the most of our time. And while I'm sitting in the hospital with my wife, I'm flipping through one of my Bibles. I'm reading Luke chapter 19. It's the story of the talents. 
where the master gave three amounts of talents to some of his servants and said, I'm going on a long trip. I'm coming back. One guy got five, one guy got two, one guy got one. But the clincher of this whole thing, and I had it marked in my Bible and I wrote it on my card. It's still in my pocket. Do business with this until I come back. And that's been my prayer these six days. Lord, I need to be busy about your business. I need to take what you've given me and I need to be faithful and help as many people as possible. I want to say this, make the most of your time. And then Paul goes on to say, because the days are evil. Everyone say evil. What do you mean evil? It means treacherous. You could think you're on the right path and you're actually on the wrong path. Deadly means uh, we do have an enemy that hates us and doesn't want us to obey the Lord. And then distracting. What do you mean distracting? That you should be going in this direction, but you end up slowly, slowly, slowly turning until you're completely 180 degrees in the wrong direction. And you didn't even realize it because the ship turned so slowly. Making the most of your days because the days are evil. And then Paul goes on to say, don't be foolish. What do you mean foolish? Everyone say foolish. What, what, what do you mean foolish? Is that an IQ issue? Is that being stupid? No, 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 no. The Bible tells us what foolishness is. Psalm 14, the fool, say it with me, please. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now I have people I've witnessed to that tell me, oh, there's no God. I just witness to him anyway. Sometimes in 30 minutes, they're receiving Christ. And there's not a lot of people that'll tell you there is no God, but you know what? There's a lot of people, including Christians, who act like there's no God. They are the Lord of their life. And maybe you've been calling the shots in your life. You decide what's best for you and no one's telling you any different. So, are you living foolishly? Are you living wisely? By the way, this issue of living wisely, every situation you will find yourself in, you have a split second choice to handle it wisely or handle it foolishly. Foolishly means you act in the flesh. Wisely means you hold your tongue, you pray, you think before you respond. Now, Paul goes on to say, knowing the will, what the will of the Lord is. How many want to know what God's will is for your life? Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up high. Okay. Well, the scripture points to this. If you are willing to seek his face to know his will, and then secondly, you are willing to do whatever he asks you to do, I want to say you won't miss it. Or you won't miss it for very long. G, don't be drunk with wine or anything else. Smoking weed, pills, meth, coke, 
thousand other things, but there's all sorts of things people numb themselves with. Can someone say, that's true, preacher. Is that true? Have you ever known people to numb themselves with stuff? Well, like what? You get filled with lust. And you feed that old lust dog until that lust dog is what jerks you around. Or pride. You're just so full of yourself and you think the world evolves around you when, honey, I'll tell you the truth, it does not and it never will. Or anger, you're full, you're so mad you could spit. I've been there, done that. Or fear, fear will control you. Fear will shut you down. Fear is demonic. And then selfishness. You know, we're doing grace marriage, trying to help couples to learn not to be selfish. And then jealous. Jealousy is a monster. And then greed. People will sell their calling for money. By the way, if you make a decision based on money, you are in a weak position. So you're going to be full of something. This heart of yours is a vacuum. It's going to be filled with something. The decision is what will your heart be filled with? And then Paul uses this term dissipation. We don't ever use it in our culture. Dissipation, it means being wasted. People that are drunk and hungover, people say, oh, he got wasted last night, okay? It just means being really stupid. You wasted a tremendous gift. You blew it away. You threw it away. And I want to ask you, what are you filled with today, this morning? The thing I want to be less filled with is old Steve because I want less of me and more of him. I don't like it when I'm full of me. Do you like it when you're full of you? I don't like it. It's not good for anybody. So Paul goes on and gives a clincher. Well, what do we do, Steve? We be filled with the Spirit. Everybody say it, please. Be filled with the Spirit. Help me out, please. Be filled with the spirit because if you're not spirit filled if you're not spirit control you're going to miss your calling because you're going to be full of something it's just not going to be him well pastor i thought when i received jesus that the holy spirit came and lived inside of me you are absolutely correct You cannot get saved without the Holy Spirit coming and living on the inside. Romans 8 tells us that. I want to make this as simple as possible. But coming in is different than being filled. When a person is filled with the Spirit, when a person is baptized with the Spirit, I think they're the same terms, the presence of God gets greater more influential. 
There's more saturation, and that is what we want. Look at the picture on the screen. One glass, a little bit of water. Another glass, half full. A third glass, almost completely full. Now, theologically, uh, I don't know how this works. I don't know if it means that we actually get more of him when we're spirit-filled or he gets more of us. I don't know the answer. I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters a bit. The issue is you need more of him and I need more of him and he wants more of you. That's the issue. Let's make it simple. There is a dark world starving for him and you're riding on empty. So here's my counsel. And you wrestle with the scriptures. Paul made this incredible statement. He said, we are not our own, which means you don't belong to you. You think you do. You don't belong to you. You have been bought with a price. What's the price? The son came and died for you to bail you out. So therefore, you are not your own. Glorify him with what he's given you. Because you got a short run. It's going to be over before you know it. And then Paul said in the previous verse, you are a temple. Everyone say temple. Everyone say it, please. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. There's no longer a temple in Jerusalem. It's gone. And this building is not a temple. It's just a building. Do you know where the temple is? You. You are a walking, breathing temple, taking the presence of God wherever you are. And this is kind of ironic, if you just think about it. Yeah, we're believers in Christ, followers of Christ, but really, are you a true, true temple? Or you just are not? Let me clarify something else. There is a difference between a person being born again and a person being spirit-filled, spirit-controlled. Let's just make it simple. When a person gets saved, when a person is born again, it is only the start of their walk with God. It is not the end. Some Christians think it's just the end. That's all I gotta do. Dude, it's not. It's just the threshold. You just walk into the house. You cannot live on the threshold. There's too much to enjoy, too much to learn. The filling of the Holy Spirit is two things. It is both a one-time experience but it is also a daily need. One of the greatest Christians America ever produced is D.L. Moody. Man that probably led a million people to Christ without a microphone, just incredible. He was full of the spirit. He taught on receiving 
the fullness of the Spirit. He taught about the baptism of the Spirit. He was asked one time, Pastor, why do you always have to feel like you need to be refreshed and refilled by the Holy Spirit? He said, it's simple. I leak. Turn to your neighbor and ask him, do you leak? I do. I leak. I think the issue is some of us are afraid of the Holy Spirit. It's maybe what you were taught, maybe what you saw, but it's not based on this. Afraid of the Holy Spirit, and here's the bottom line, because you want to stay in control. You want to stay in control. So you're afraid to let go. You're thinking subconsciously about self-preservation because giving up control can be scary. Every time the Lord asks me to do something new, it's normally scary. And often I fuss, complain, and tell him no, but sooner or later, I try to say, okay, Lord, I will. I may not like it. I can't do it, but I'll get out of the boat. I'll get out of the boat. This is Hartwell Lake, about 20 minutes from where I grew up, and my family spent a lot of time on Hartwell Lake. It's a beautiful lake. It's where the old Savannah River was dammed up and made into this huge, beautiful reservoir. It's 100 miles long. It is deep. People fish and boat and water ski. They love this place. When I was about eight years of age, I was afraid of water. I was. And my daddy had a boat kind of like this, a 10-foot wooden boat. Had the glass windshield like that. And we were out in the middle of the lake. And I was good as long as I was in the boat. He cut the motor off. He threw the anchor out in the middle of this lake. And at that area, it was probably four miles wide. He jumped over the side and I'm in the boat by myself. I was terrified. Can you see where this is going? My dad, who was a great swimmer, had been a lifeguard. Then he started cautioning me, son, come to the ladder. I don't want to go to the ladder, daddy. Come to the ladder. And he finally got me to the top of the ladder. Put your foot over the boat. I didn't want to do that. And I finally put one foot over. There was about three steps. I was in the water. I got down to the last step and he said, come on. He's just floating in the water. It's probably, I don't know, 130, 140 feet deep right there. And I said this, daddy, I'm scared. I was terrified. Daddy, it's dark. Daddy, that water is cold. Daddy, I can't see the bottom. I think I had tears coming in my eyes. Daddy, I can't trust you. What if you let go of me and I go all the way to the bottom and then I will drown? And my father said this repeatedly, Steve, trust me. Let go of the ladder. Relax, let go. 
And finally I did three days later. (laughs) My dad was a prude. I bet it took 20 minutes for him to get me to let go of the ladder. And it was when this, I still remember that. It was so scary. But here's two things happened. I learned to trust my 200 pound dad who was a great swimmer. And I became a good swimmer myself. What's the message? The message is this. Do you trust the Heavenly Father, yes or no? Do you really trust Him? If you really trust Him sooner or later, you're going to have to let go of the ladder if you want to tap into the power, if you want to find the healing, if you want to find the calling. You have to trust Him and let go. Because if you don't, you will never be full. And some of us, frankly, are uncomfortable because maybe what we read in Acts chapter two is a brand new Christian. My spiritual father took me to Pentecostal Holiness Church, a little church in a tough neighborhood. We sat on a back row. I got scared to death. I went, oh no, something might get on me. I was so uncomfortable. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. And us people who grow up American or in the West, we think too much. My friends in Asia, Africa, Latin America, they trust the scriptures, I think, more than us Americans because we tell the Lord something like this. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to serve you. Jesus, I'm going to be faithful. But... Everyone say, but, but I'll do it my way. I do it when I want to, with the people I want to, and I'm, I'm not going to ever let go of the wheel. Because if I let go of the wheel, you might ask me to do something crazy, and then look what has happened to me. I'm a fool. Here's the principle of the kingdom of heaven. You have to give up power and control to get greater power. And as long as you're holding onto that steering wheel, you're not going to go very far. Let go. Everyone say, let go and let him. Let go and let him. Just let go. Let him do it. Because the Holy Spirit is the Father's promise. The Father knows what he's doing. He is our teacher. He is our counselor. He is our shepherd. And because he is our teacher... He is a promise we can trust him all the time. When I don't know what to do, I go, Holy Spirit, I trust you. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. I can't do this, but I trust you. So therefore, I'm going to get out of the boat. I'm going to let go of the ladder and I'm going to do it right now. And I'm always glad. So we need his power, his power for holiness. His power to love people in our family, the power to share the gospel, the power for miracles. We need all the gifts of the Spirit, all of them, not a few of them. And we need the fruit of the Spirit because he wants to make us like Jesus. He is the helper. 
He's sent by the Father to help us always. Worship team, would you guys come on up? And this is how it looks. When the Holy Spirit takes control of a person, of a family, of a church, he's the one in control. And we're letting him call the shots. Because if I'm in control, the Holy Spirit cannot do his work because I still have my hands on the wheel, which means I'm going to miss out. You can't serve Jesus, period, without the fullness of the Spirit of God. You just can't do it. You'll tire out. You'll make wrong calls. You won't be effective. I want to close with this story. I want to close with a story and a prayer. 1946, there was a young evangelist in his 20s. His name was Billy Graham. He was just getting started. He had been real successful, and he was invited to come and preach in England and Scotland and Wales, and he came. He didn't know if he'd do any good, and he heard another Bible teacher by the name of Stephen Olford. I heard Stephen Olford as a brand-new Christian. Boy, he just this British preacher was an amazing man, full of the Spirit. And one night, Stephen Olford was preaching at a youth convention, and Billy Graham just wandered in the back and sat on the back, and he heard this gifted man talk about this verse. Don't be drunk with wine because that is excess. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The plan is be filled with the Holy Spirit. At the end of the service, Stephen Olford went to the back of the platform. He sat down, he was praying. He had his head in his hands. He wasn't even looking and he felt somebody come up and stand right in front of him. He pulled his hands down he looked up and it was Billy Graham. And here's what Billy Graham said. Why did you not give an invitation to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What's wrong with you? What do you mean? Why didn't I give an invitation? I need to tell you, I would have been the first one to come forward. I would have been at the altar if you had just given us an invitation to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, you have preached about things that I have wondered about for a long time and I have this need on the inside and I want the fullness of the Holy Spirit more than I want to breathe. Later on, Billy said this, I was looking for more of God and I met a man who I thought could tell me how to get it. Stephen Olford, Billy Graham went on a 48-hour retreat to a little stone hotel there in Wales. And Billy Graham told Stephen, when they walked into that little room where they slept, this is serious business. I have to have what you have. 
I have to learn what you know, or I cannot go on. So they studied the scriptures together. They prayed on their knees beside their two beds. And Stephen said, something happened the second day in the middle of the afternoon. He said, this young preacher, Billy Graham, was praying with all of his heart, sincere prayer of dedication to the Lord and his purpose, his tears running down his face. And he said, heaven burst into that tiny room. Billy Graham stood up with tears running down his face and he said, my heart is flooded with the precious Holy Spirit. And he said, he spent time laughing and crying, laughing and crying. And Billy got up and walked and paced that room. And over and over, this young evangelist said this, I have it, I have it. I'm filled with heaven. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. God has visited me. I'm a different person. He said, this is a turning point in my life. This will revolutionize my ministry. Later that evening, they parted ways. Stephen Olford went to the small cottage where he was raised, where his parents were waiting on him. And he walked into that cottage in Wales. His dad greeted him at the door. And his dad saw something on his son's face. He said, what on earth has happened to you today? I see it on your face. They had a meal. He shared what had happened in that short prayer meeting. And he said, dad, I want you to know something. Heaven touched that young preacher, Billy Graham, today. And he's never going to be the same. Matter of fact, the whole world is going to hear how God uses this young preacher from North Carolina because he's going to make history because he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. I want everyone to stand, please. Everyone stand. Well, Steve, what, what do I do if I want more? What do I do if I want the filling of God's spirit? Here's the first thing you do. You give up control. Get your hand off the ladder. Get your hand off the steering wheel and tell him you want him to fill you. The scripture says this in Matthew 7, he who asks receives, he who asks always receives, he who seeks will find. The one that knocks, the door will always be open to you. Now, I was, as I was praying last night, I got a word that I think is important for you. I'm gonna pray for you. But as I pray, because my encounters with the Spirit of God, often I didn't feel anything happen. When I got saved, I didn't feel a thing. When I got filled with the Spirit, I didn't feel a thing. I thought nothing happened. I thought I got lied to or tricked. But I started seeing changes. So I'm going to pray for people. And if this morning you want more, 
this morning, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe you were before, but you want another filling. You want to get full. I want you to come on down and I want you to stand across the front. I'm not going to lay hands on you, but I'm going to pray for you because he's here and he wants to fill you to overflowing. So come on down. Come on down right now. If you want more, if you want the filling of God's spirit, come on down. Just come, come to the front. Come right close. We had hundreds of people at the first service. Hundreds of people. Just come on down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm just going to pray for you. And God's going to do something today. Because that's what he does. It's not about me. It's about his word. And the Holy Spirit who loves you. He's your helper. He's your teacher, your counselor. So come on down. Come come closer. Make room. Come on over. Slide one way or the other. Come on down. You're going to be in ministry. You need all the power you can get. You need all the filling you can get. Come on down. We'll wait for you. Come on down. Just come closer. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. You got to scoot this way a little bit. There's more people coming. Come on down. Just scoot over one way or the other. Come on down. Just come on down. We got time. Come on down. Come on down. Now, right before I pray, here's the word I felt I got last night. And the word is watch. You may, I'm not looking for manifestations. I'm not looking for something emotional. If that happens, it's okay. No big deal. But I want you to watch in the coming weeks for what? Your heart will be more tender than ever before. You'll find yourself driving or getting ready for the morning. All of a sudden, tears will just come to your face. And you know it's him on the inside of you. You will care about the lostness of people's souls like never before. And you'll find tears for people that you know are lost. You may be able to pray for someone that's sick and the doctors have given up and you may feel the burden to go and pray and God's spirit is going to go with you. And he's going to show you his goodness. You may get a prayer language in the coming weeks. You've never had one. It's a good thing to have. So I'm just saying, and he will speak to you more than he's ever spoken to you because now you're ready because your heart is full. So everyone just close your eyes and open your hands up like this. And let me just pray a brief prayer for you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that the Father sent you to be our helper our counselor to give us power to help us, Lord, stay faithful and live clean. I'm asking, Lord, fill your people today. Be filled in Jesus' name with God's Spirit. Be filled with God's Spirit. Come in your power, dear Lord. Come in your glory, dear Lord. And Lord, I pray for changes that people will know it's because you are filling them. Be filled in Jesus' name. I say be healed in Jesus' name. Sicknesses leave. I bind the chains of darkness that have held some of these in bondage for decades. Be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the gifts of the Spirit. I pray for an amazing ability to pray like never before.
And I pray for the joy of the Lord. Fill your people. Fill your people today. Now everyone pray out loud with me this simple prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me now. Fill me to overflowing. Glorify Jesus in my life like never before. Release your gifts and release your fruit so I can live in victory. And as I watch, I'll watch for what you wanna do. And as I listen, I will listen for your voice, but bring glory to the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we receive God's spirit by faith. It's not based on feelings. You may burst into laughter this afternoon. You may start crying your eyes out one day next week. Just enjoy it. But we receive by faith. Now as we continue to worship, you're welcome to linger around the the altar. You can kneel. There's people on the wings that'll pray for you if you have specific needs. But I want you to watch what God's spirit is going to do because it's going to be awesome. Let's worship. Let faith arise. Let faith
attention, you will miss what he's doing. Watch for what he's doing in your heart and around you. Lord, I thank you for this day. And anyone watching online or anyone in the room this morning that's never given their heart to Christ, they've been a holdout. They've been a resistor. Pray with me now the simple prayer that will change your eternity. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart. I'm broken. Fix me. Change me. Make me a new creation. Make me your child. And I will serve you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Slip out quietly. There's people doing business with God. There's people here to pray with you as you need it. God bless you. for joining us at Church of the Savior online today. We hope you are encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. 
There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.